Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So on a whim, my sister just DMs me like a post on social because it had something to do with Taylor Swift. She didn't say anything. She literally just sent it to me. I read it and I immediately sent it to Emily without context. (laughs) And I was like, tickets, question mark, date. And I like put the date. And And I was walking into the hot tub as I was messaging you. I was standing up in the hot tub like, oh, hold on. Because I saw like Taylor Swift pop up on my like notification. And then yours just question marks. I checked my calendar and then just said, get tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even actually know what it is. I didn't even read it. Oh, okay. Well, you're, <laughs> you're in for an experience. So it's at our planetarium at our Union Station. And it's a laser light show accompanied with like famous... Well, not just famous, like top Taylor Swift songs. Taylor Swift songs. Are we going to have seizures together? I mean, I don't know. I'm a little worried about that a little bit, but um, (laughs) it sounded so cool that I was like, I don't care. It's worth the risk. (laughs) But it does include songs from her new album, too. So, like, it's not just oldies. It's going to be good, I think. They sold out three shows and then happened to release a new show. And I heard about it late. Yeah. Still managed Surprised to you got tickets. Yeah. So. Well, if it's anything like the Taylor Swift at the symphony. <sighs> so good. I, we did the, it. it was like Taylor Swift by candlelight. And it was mm-hmm. like with a string quartet. Yeah. String quartet. That's what it was. And, but there was no singing. I feel like this one will be the probably songs. licensing her songs. And I assume yeah. they're actually playing. Like yeah. a set list. Yeah. Like with laser lights to the thing. I don't know. Like how at Christmas time when you when yeah, you go to like the light Christmas show. light show. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't know if you've ever been to a planetarium, but you like lean I back haven't. and it's like on the ceiling. So like Ugh. it's it's not there's like also a planetarium in the fantasy series that I'm reading right now that just like is it has a really cute like aspect in their storyline. And so cute. it just makes me a little cute a little meat cute. Uh, well Well, i'm excited i need to figure out where we're gonna go to dinner Mm -hmm. yes okay so it's down at union station is it in union station the planetarium yeah it's downstairs it's like okay they have an imax and then the planetarium's next to it they actually have like way more like educational content than i realized you should definitely look at it for penny there's like tons of stuff and tickets are cheap at the planetarium specifically Uh oh yeah we take her to what's it called crown center yeah. And we go to 
kaleidoscope and yeah and now granted this would require her to sit still when question mark question mark but i think they're short i think they're like 45 minutes to an hour long thing but they had like Junie B. Jones, and then like like a dinosaur thing, and a science oh, one, and like oh. all sorts of things. So, man, I'll have to try. Maybe I'll just get it and not tell her where we're going because she gets in her head when wife's still yet to take her to a movie because she thinks everything's going to be scary and too loud. And so I let her bring her headphones, but she just still won't do it. So I'm going to take her to Frozen, the musical, actually later this month. And we'll see how she does there. But she said my my parents got her tickets to a high school at the Blue Springs High School production oh. of Mamma Mia. Yeah. And she loved it. She went. She was fucking obsessed with it. She sat still the whole time, like paid attention to the storyline and was like knew what was going on and has played Mamma Mia on Google nonstop since then. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Well, that makes me pretty confident that she would do well in the theater as long as she didn't have all the anxiety in advance. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to be like, we're just going to go to Union Station because she loves Union Station. And then we'll just go down there and do something. Because I took her to the, do you remember when the dinosaur exhibit was at Union Station? It was like mm-hmm. the animatronic dinosaurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I took her to that. She freaking loves dinosaurs. So she knew what was happening and we go. And then she was terrified because they move when you're in there. Like they don't walk, but they like move their heads or if they have wings, they'll move and they make noises and it scared the shit out of her. And so she like wouldn't get close, wanted to beeline through the whole thing. So I was like, okay. So we make it to the gift shop at the end. She somehow convinces Brian to buy her a dinosaur lightsaber. So he does. So then she has this lightsaber and she's like, okay. Let's go back through. I have my lightsaber and I'll be protected now. So we go back through again because she just has her lightsaber and she's like, she knows what to expect now. So she's good to go. And I'm like, do I just need to anticipate going through things twice with you once you're like (laughs) confident (laughs) about it? I mean, what a like self-aware thing to do. Right? (laughs) Now I can do it. Now that Mm -hmm. I know what to expect. Yeah, that I mean, that's 100% who she is. She's just like, give me the lowdown. She's going to be just like me where she because I like, I'll Google map search like the parking situation of somewhere or like the ideal route or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I I need to go through the thing before I can enjoy the thing. I'm like, oh, I tried not to pass on that anxiety to you. But you got it somehow. (laughs) I'm just imagining her wedding day at some point. Like, that girl's gonna be anxious. <laughs> Every day is a nature versus nurture conversation with her, and there are so many surprising things that I'm like, oh, did you just get this because you just hang around us? And this anxiety just like leaked into your personality, and that is a huge bummer for me, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, for real though. It is a bummer. Well, okay, well, are we ready for our new segment, Boss Project Headquarters, What the French Toast is Going On? That's what I decided to call it right now. <laughs> uh, that new segment today? Yeah. yeah. I'd love to tell you about a recent client project we just wrapped. We worked with an interior architect, and the unique thing about her project, and I wouldn't say this is uncommon, like a lot of the people we're talking to have previously had a design they feel pretty confident in. Like the design was 
pretty and you know she resonated with that but what she really struggled with was her previous website designer hadn't taken the time to really know and understand who she was who she was serving and what the specific service was. And so her as website, an, 100% more than anyone we've ever worked with was absolutely talking to someone she did not want to work with. Absolutely. Like, like actively didn't want to work with. Yeah. So a lot of assumptions had been made by the previous designer. And I don't know if the client just didn't feel comfortable speaking up or what exactly went down, but she ended up with a site that spoke to residential clients. And she literally had zero, like residential clients was not even the work she was doing. And so she was like, I'm embarrassed to send clients here, not because of how it looks, but because it doesn't represent the kind of work that I am doing. And what I think I really pride our team on is, you know, a lot of times the clients we're working with, we're very familiar with their industry. But if there comes a case that we're less familiar with their ideal client or the specific offering that they have, we do a ton of research to really make sure we know and understand who they're serving, how they're serving them, and making sure we're using language that is appropriate for the conversation they're having. I feel like I could walk into a networking room and pretend to have the job of every single one of our clients. 100%. (laughs) And I could probably sell their services yeah. too. Yeah. Like, I'm like very confident I know what they're selling. And so in her scenario, she's working directly with commercial furniture companies. And she's building virtual reality for these furniture companies that showcases their products in a VR experience so that they can sell to other architects. It's very meta, but... <laughs> Not only did we take the time to understand what she does, but we made sure we were highlighting client projects that really showcased her work. We built beautiful case study pages. And personality-wise, like in contrast, we've we've done sites that are super traditional. Hers was bright and poppy and fun and like really leaned into more modern furniture because that's speaking to her commercial clients that she's working with. And we really hit the nail on the head. I've never seen a client be so ecstatic with how <laughs> a project turned out. She spoke nothing but high words about the things we did for her. But I loved working with her. Now, granted, I am a bit biased. My sister is an interior architect. My husband's an architect. And so anything in the architecture or design realm, I like love working on those client projects. So if you happen to be in that world... We'd love we to speak your language. We do speak your language. We know mm-hmm. and understand how it works. And we'd love to work with more clients in those industries. So if that sounds interesting to you, if you felt like you were previously misunderstood or people didn't take the time to really know and understand how you work with your clients, let us be the difference for you. You can book a time with me and we'll talk about what your project looks like and the kind of help that you need and see if it's a good fit. So you can go to bossproject.com slash waitlist. You can book a time directly with me and I would love to chat. Okay. So I want to dive into today's episode and it's one of my favorite conversations to have because it's about pricing. <laughs> you know, I'm obsessed with talking about pricing. I've gotten in trouble talking about pricing before <laughs> on this podcast. But I think the take of the conversation we're having today is, and we've always believed this, 
And it's never been more true because of the climate that we're in right now. We have literally, literally never been the people that's like, if you're not charging this price, then you're not going to reach your goals or you're not taking it seriously or not doing the right thing or whatever. There is quite literally no one size fits all pricing model for everyone, even within the same industry. Like, for photographers, for designers, for whatever, for copywriters, it doesn't matter. So we're going to walk you through a couple of different scenarios that we're seeing work for people right now, because I also think like the market and buyer behaviors has a really big impact on this discussion. And I think people are starting to kind of lean into making some adjustments based on what they're seeing. Yeah. Now, to just make it super clear that we know what we're talking about here, we've sold everything from $29 products to $45,000 services and everything in between. Well, and I'll even take it back further. We've sold $11 a month memberships. And well, you know, we don't need to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was 17. I really think it was 17. (laughs) Got it. But we've run the gamut, guys. We have absolutely run the gamut. We've sold digital products. We've sold courses, group programs, masterminds, services, the whole nine. And I want to talk about price. And specifically, I want to talk about price when it comes to delivering a service because that makes up the majority of our clients. And I definitely think is the opportunity for, especially in a climate like right now, to continue to have everything make sense and still work because one of the consequences of the economic environment that we're in is people will start leaning away from education. And if they're going to spend their budget, they're going to spend their budget on done for you offers, which means services become the go-to in a climate like we're in right now. Yep. I kind of am glad for some of the climate bursts that we're seeing right now where there were people who did not have the expertise to justify their price points that got to just charge their price points because it was such a bloated little bubble that we were in within the education space, within the online space, within, you know, everyone doing something once for one client and then turning around acting like the expert in that thing. And I think that a huge consequence of that has been a severe lack of trust that's been able to exist in the online business owner space, not just one to many model, but just literally online at all. And I think coinciding with the pandemic and the market shifts, there's also an awareness of wanting to get to know someone a little bit more and actually understand their credentials before diving in with them. And I think a lot of service providers right now are finding it surprisingly different, not necessarily difficult, but just different to present their services and their offerings than they maybe have even seen in the last two years or three years or five years. It's a different space because people are treating buying differently. Yeah. I mean, one of the really obvious things is people are asking about price much sooner in the sales process than they would even six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Uh And I'm seeing a bit of a shift. Now, here's our take. In general, if we were to look at across the board, 
do we prefer low priced or premium offers? Premium. Now, premium means a lot of different things. And it absolutely still shifts when you see buyer changes. So we're not necessarily saying luxury. While there's definitely a market for that, and that absolutely can qualify as premium, that doesn't always make sense in the economic climate you're in or with a service you're providing. And so we want to be mindful. Now, I have seen people as of late, and I'm not going to name names here, but I've seen people who had an offer who literally just removed a zero. And it makes you question the integrity of what they're offering and what they're doing. And it's like, well, if you can offer it for literally 10% of what you were offering it for before, which is, by the way, what happens when you remove a zero. It makes Why was it ever that bloated to begin with? Right. It makes yep. you question what was involved. Now, it's not to say that you can't adjust price down and adjust deliverables accordingly. Absolutely. I think that might make a ton of sense for a lot of you, but it needs to make sense, not just be a gut reaction. I see so much fear coming up for people of like, when leads are down, they're like, oh, well, I got to do something. And so what is the easiest thing to do? Well, I'm going to cut my prices. Well, if you cut your prices, do you actually know the consequences of reducing your price point. How many more clients do you And that's exactly like I had this exact conversation with someone the other day when she was like, I'm just going to cut this price in half. And I said, okay, do you think you can get twice as many leads to make the same amount? Because the problem is sitting in leads. Is the price part of that conversation? Because if you're having great conversations with leads and they're not converting, sure. But if your lead pool isn't just automatically going to double then you cutting your price in half isn't getting you anywhere. No, if anything, you may end up making less, having the same number of clients, but making less. You might end up having little more clients, but like, you know, for a lot but of- then you're your, just going to be busier and still making less money. I know. And that's, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. And so if you're going to kind of offer something that's maybe more mid-range or still premium, but like- at a different psychological like price. Like there's like low end premium, middle ground premium and high end premium. Right, right, right. If you're going to do something mid to low on the premiums scale, so to speak. And there isn't set prices for this, by the way. I'm not going to No, gonna it's within your industry. It's very industry specific. It's Yep. Very deliverable. We have someone who her low premium is $60,000. That would be high, high premium for us. Right. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. 
Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. But it would change if we changed our clientele, not necessarily our service. Like if we delivered the same service, but to seeded startups, 60,000 would then become low premium. The men. Yep. Yep. And that's literally just changing the clients, not necessarily the deliverables. It's who you're talking to. So like what industry are you in and who are you serving? And who are your competitors in that space? I'm not saying that it's, your price point needs to rely on competitors because you can absolutely be the premium option and for sure and still be the viable option, but you have to do different work to stand out when you're the top end. Well, and some of your, absolutely. And some of your industries, like we've talked about this client before and the industry that she's in, we didn't feel comfortable you know, double, you know, I like, I like to joke that I would think everyone can double their prices. I didn't necessarily want that for her because she would have priced herself out of the majority of her competition in that specific industry. She was still pretty niche. Like her industry is still pretty niche and she'd already made a name for herself, but she likes working with a lot more people and impacting people in that way. And it would drastically shift to then your client changes to like a really high-end, very rich client at that point. And she just didn't want to work with those people all the time. Yeah. 
And that clientele only made up, like, if we're talking hard numbers, that clientele only made up 4% of her existing clients. And I could tell based on previous year's P&L statements, like, it was like in black and white. Like, it wasn't like a question as to where these people were. I was like, well, you've been selling at these price points for this long, and this is what your competition is doing, et cetera. And so, like, it just didn't make sense. But we absolutely see a lot of people who, like, perhaps in the last couple of years have really slimmed down their offerings. They're offering less options. They've created more signature of of a signature experience or a signature service that they're taking clients through. And they start to question things like, well, if it's not selling as well at this price point, do I just change the price? And I would much rather look at a step before that service than reducing a service that's existing. Does that make sense? Yes. And it's honestly so funny how full circle this conversation is going because quite literally the first program I ever made was called pricing for profit and it was for photographers. And one of the lessons in there was the psychology of pricing and how in that world, in that time and space, it was working and it was effective to show tiers of pricing, knowing that people, specifically three packages at three different prices, knowing that people resonate with the middle package, the standard, the not too big, the not too small. You're like, you've heard the Goldilocks example, right? It's just that same concept. And that is very similar buying behaviors from what we're coming back to. Where what I want you to start to be skillful at is really ask yourself at the core of your service, What is the actual outcome you're providing and how can that outcome be achieved in different tiers, different levels at different price points with appropriate deliverables and scope within them to make them match the ever like magical equation of price with capacity that we talk about all the time, knowing that you can give your current clientele an option of where they can invest, knowing that they're still going to get your expertise of skills. Because the thing I want you to wrap your head around is even if you're not pricing per hour, which there are so many issues with pricing per hour, but we're not getting to that right now. Even if you're not pricing per hour and you're creating a package-based price, it still comes down to how much time does it take you to deliver the thing? And if you have two offers and one takes you half the time, like... If you're going to have one cost less, it should be the one that takes you half the time. Like, and so I think people get caught up on this. Well, I've moved away from hourly. Great. I love that for you. And we still need to be mindful of the total time it takes you to deliver on the thing. And so if you're going to go, say you've been at 10,000 per, and when I say contracted value, I mean like the total package. Like if you're working on retainer and they work with you for 12 months, if they're paying more than 10 throughout that year, that would be the total contracted value. Or if it's a project and the total cost of the project is X, even if it's over certain payments, then that's what I'm talking about here. If you're going to go from 10 to seven and a half, then like don't just change the price of the thing you're offering, you need to remove your time to make up the difference so that you can still handle the clientele needed. But no, the consequence of that is even if you do less time, 
you're going to have to fill it back up with a different client. So the total number of clients needed will increase the less price that you have every time. Like every time. Every time. (laughs) It's not like um, maybe sometimes that happens. No, like every time you reduce your price, you will need more clients. Uh Sometimes Uh you'll need a few more clients and sometimes you'll need a lot more clients. It depends on how big of a price change we're talking about here. So, which is why this is really important for you to take the time and really look at all the scope and deliverables that you promise a client and map out how long does it take you to do every single one of those. And based on that, what's the value? What's the price of that thing that's included in that offer? So that when you want to make a package that is a little bit less, you can appropriately remove things that take you the most time, aka cost you the most money. Because what happens is I see people who do this and they leave the things that take them the most amount of time inside the package that they just slash the price on. That's what we're not going to do. It like really frustrates me. But I will say in terms of buyer behavior, one of the interesting things we're seeing, and this has been like creeping up for a while and just becoming like a more permanent thing. But as a direct consequence of the pandemic is people like across the board have gotten a lot clearer on their priorities. They're a lot clearer on what is fluff to them versus like, what makes sense for their life, their business, their job, whatever. And so with these services, the ones that are doing really well, they cut the fluff, right? They cut the things that are just to make the list of deliverables look longer, but aren't really taking them any more time. Like it's literally the like, no joke, the things they're cutting are the things that were previously like a guide or a video or like they're the you know, deliverables that don't cost you anything because you do it once and then you can deliver it to all those clients. People are literally just like erasing those from their sales pages and converting better because people don't give a shit about that stuff. They just don't. They just want the service to be performed and well, they're not taking the time to dive into extra education. They just want you to take it off their plate completely, not a little bit, completely. Well, it's the conversation about, you know, how you're saying like people are getting clear on their priorities. A big part of that in our personal lives, we've been getting really clear on what we're willing to spend our time on and what we're not. And I think sometimes as business owners and as people who are selling things, we like to think that that if it changes in someone's personal life or could even be changing in your own personal life, you don't draw the connections of how that could change in your business life or in your own buying behaviors, in your clients' buying behaviors. And I love this part of doing business because while it's a challenge sometimes, and when you're trying to refigure out the new normal or the new version, even if it's going to be temporary, it can feel frustrating and hard. I'm, I'm not immune to those feelings at all. But what's cool is it's all psychology. It's all psychology. So it comes down to just really, truly understanding going into a recession, how does that change people's thought processes and buying behaviors and behaviors when they're consuming content or when they're signing up for things or paying for things. And if we can investigate the buying behaviors in general of how it's impacting everywhere, we can use that knowledge to make shifts in our own business. I think the misconception though that's made is that when these shifts happen, it means people are just going to stop purchasing in a certain industry altogether. And that's just 
Would it happen in some industries? Potentially. Would it reduce the total volume of a certain industry? Yeah. Like we saw direct effects on travel and transportation as a result of the pandemic. So I can't say it's not going to like hit a certain industry harder than another. It very well may. But it also can have some crazy cool consequences as a result. So in a very clear, tangible way of like, how has buyer behavior shifted? Okay, well, I'm at a certain point in my life and career where like, I'm pretty handy. I've renovated two homes. I know how to do a lot. And when things pop up, I can take it on and do it myself. And most of the time, it would save me money. But I am more aware than I've ever been ever before of exactly how much time that's also costing me. And so we need new garage doors. Well, we and to- I'll be damned if you get injured doing the thing. Oh, like, 100%. that's the stage that I'm at, too, where I'm like, I know how much it's going to cost me in time to do it. And if I get hurt doing it, oh, boy. <laughs> And so like, okay, we need new garage doors. I immediately started looking at, okay, I know my husband could do this. I know he could do it with his dad. I know I could potentially help. I can't lift much. So I'm not going to be much help at all. But how many weekends am I going to miss spending with him if he takes this project on? And how much am I willing to pay to not have him miss any of those weekends? And like a service that I would have previously passed up even five years ago, is a service I am going to invest in without question. Now, whether I convince my husband to do so or not is a totally different story because he knows he can do it. But for me, my behavior has shifted where I know and understand the time it's going to cost me. And so I know what my limits are in terms of what I'm willing to spend. And it is more than I would have spent five years ago, even though we're in a different economic climate. And so it's interesting to think that some buyers' budgets have increased, even though there's changes. And so it's just, you can't assume that because we're in this position, that everyone's spending less. Some people will spend more, but in different areas. Like we saw people spend more on their families during the pandemic, spent more on in-home entertainment, like some industries grew, like grew. I know our industry grew. If you were an online business, all of a sudden working remote was no longer like a sexy dream. It was like everyone's reality. And so people were like, oh, well, if I can work from home for someone else, what would it look like for me to work from home by myself? So like our industry grew during that time period. And so I don't want you to make these like vast assumptions that like your industry is going to shrink or everyone's going to buy less or like this huge scarcity mentality, because that's not true. Right now is a time you should be experimenting with price, experimenting with a variety of offers rather than leaning so hard into only offering one thing at one price point. A variety of offers that stem from one core offer and expertise. Do not do the, I'm going to do it for you and also teach you how to do it because those are two completely different buyers. I want you speaking to the same buyer who just happens to have a different budget than this one, but they have the same needs. They want the same thing from you. Okay. Or potentially are like a different stage, but they're on the same Yes, They're on the same path. Oh, I could say so much more, but is that enough? 
now? Is that an like, are you guys reeling already? I want to hear your feedback, though. I really want you to send us your thoughts. What are you doing with your price right now? How many offers are you experimenting with? What are you seeing that's working? What's not working for you? I would love to hear from you and see. So send us a DM over at Boss Project on Instagram. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.